Welcome to episode 149 of Friends in Film. We're here to bring the latest movie news and review the biggest new release, which this week is Overlord. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, and this week I'm joined by Josh Straley. Hello, everybody. Hello, Cooper. Um, I've got, we got to address the, the big issue on film Twitter. Oh, boy. At least of this weekend. Um, Vogue's hot take on horror movies uh-huh. this year uh, is so, so wrong. It's pretty bad. Yes, I mean, I- and the thing is, though, the headline, like, once they start digging into it, it's like, oh, well, there's all these horror movies that are pretty great. And although they totally don't give Hereditary its due um, at all, which is just, like, made me so mad. And then uh-huh. and then focused on two, like, really well, they average were, They were ones. like, oh, well, The Nun came out this year. Yeah, That's probably, like, the bulk of the argument. And Winchester. Okay. That one from yeah, early the February. One, yeah. Which I don't think anyone thought was going to be good. No. Um, I haven't seen it yet, but Mandy's not mentioned, and everyone's raving about that. Uh-huh. Although we can't see it yet from here <laughs> in the lonesome Indiana. Um, now very cold Indiana, by the way. No, it exactly. is terrible. Welcome to winter. Ugh, hate it. This is the Midwest. Um, and Slender Man. Like the three, they, they pick the three <laughs> worst horror films yeah. of the year. Be like, horror's dead. Yep. Nobody move on. They take a pot shot at Halloween for being derivative. Uh, and then like they get, they turn and they're like, oh, but it's actually great for TV horror. And then like, is that the same? It's the same. Like like, I mean, I mean, it's the same genre. Obviously, there's different mediums, but right. There's Chilling uh, Adventures of Sabrina. Mm-hmm. There was The Haunting on Hill House, which is amazing. Uh, I haven't watched either of them, but they're on my both. They're on both on my list. But both are great. Um, yeah, it felt it felt like a weird, very weird take to have. <laughs> Even though I didn't read the article, just seeing the headline, I was like, mm-hmm. that's dumb. And then there's also the AMC's The Terror, which is oh, yeah. like, it's a, it's almost kind of uh, Frankensteinian mm-hmm. or Mary Shelleyan. I don't know what the words would be for that. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a gothic horror yeah, yeah. set in the early 16th, 17th century. Great. But this anyway, this is a great year for horror. This is a, this is an excellent year for horror. I've never been more excited about horror films than this year. We may talk about a great horror film. I think on this so. Podcast. Yeah, that's what we're doing this week, we right? Are, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, but not to uh, before we talk about that though, uh-huh. I need to plug our socials. That'd be great. Um, if you are looking for other movie reviews that we have had, you can find all of those on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. SoundCloud, and now Spotify. And if you can, on Apple Podcasts, though, please rate us, review us, and that'll ultimately help rank us and help us get more friends of the show. Um, but if you want to know what we're up to on Twitter, get at us at Friends in Film. Yeah. Uh, before we get into Overlord mm-hmm. and talk about maybe a great horror movie of the year, um, did you watch anything else this week, Josh? I did. Okay. Um, I got around to the other side of the wind, mm-hmm. um, the unreleased Orson, Orson Welles, Welles mm-hmm. film. Uh, and I have no idea what to make of it. I started <laughs> to write something on it and I wrote, it doesn't come easy or I don't know what to make of this. And then I stopped, but it's interesting. <laughs> okay. Um, it's like he was pioneering mockumentary in some kind of ways. Huh. There's like, it's like three movies in one, a documentary, the movie itself, mm-hmm. and then a movie that the documentary is about. It's interesting. But I saw the boy for the first time uh laura cohen's oh, yeah. horror film from like three years ago uh-huh. or whatever they, that movie takes some weird turns <laughs> basically she teams up with him to fight her ex-boyfriend which is weird i did not expect that no. to go that way 
Um, but then to top it all off, I showed some more friends hereditary ah. and it's all it's show your friends hereditary if you've seen it, because it's worth it for their reaction to be like, that's not the way I thought this movie was going to go. <laughs> exactly. Once we get to the uh, halfway point in Charlie's story. Uh, I mean, even the exciting the moment about what, 20, 30 minutes in. Mm hmm. I think that that's the yep. best shock of the movie. Right. right They're like, what was this movie going to be about after this? Then? <laughs> exactly. And it's like, oh, no. Uh, but how about you, sir? Uh, well, I watched, I uh, went to the theater again this weekend and saw a girl in the spider's web. Mm-hmm. Disappointed. Not great. Not, not very, not very good. Okay. I mean, it's maybe an average movie. I think Alvarez does a decent job directing it and like making it look good and has some decent action. But the story, um, the girl in the spider's web, like the book is the fourth book in the yeah the franchise mm-hmm. and so in adapting the book they basically treat you as if there are three previous movies and as even as somebody who like this past week watched all the norwegian movies and then watched the fincher movies really yeah even and that is lo- a binge. the only re- way i could do it was because netflix has the extended mini series cut basically of it which was exhausting but there, there's, there's good stuff in there new movie pace was great um but they basically like treat you as if all of that stuff is kind of canon, but it like they're not you don't know for sure. And then the villain um, of the movie is Sylvia Hoax. And after her performance in Blade Runner 249, I was super excited for that. And she's just so like underwritten, like there's just nothing to her to the point where like she has to do stuff by the end to be like, no, mm-hmm. no, don't buy it. And so it was, it was I mean, Foy was good in the lead role but Elizabeth Samander Salander just doesn't have a lot of emotion to her so it's kind of a one note performance so yeah but how about our man Lakeith oh Lakeith Lakeith is great as always um but he's he's not in the movie a lot okay so uh yeah it's it's a disappointing effort I'll, there may be a review up on the site uh-huh by the time you guys hear this or after just kind of depends if I actually want to write about the movie or not so did you uh, did you watch Outlaw King yet not yet okay I'm 10 minutes in okay. it looks good so far that's my <laughs> I, 10 minute review <laughs> i'm planning on getting to it eventually but let's talk about overlord please the movie we're here to talk about in length on uh i wrote a review for the site friendsoffilm.wordpress.com calling it wickedly violent and tons of fun um which i think sums up the movie pretty well um but i don't think also gives it enough credit for how great this movie really is because i think julius avery establishes himself with overlord as one of the hottest up-and-coming directors in Hollywood just mm-hmm. because right from the get-go he establishes the intensity of this movie and it doesn't let up he works in great one-liners great character work um, and also you know a couple of jump scares that are effective and don't feel forced uh, it really just feels like him bringing everything he can to the table doing it on a small budget which is maybe like the only real critique you can maybe give this movie is like I wish they had 10 million dollars more to beef up those special effects Mm -hmm. in some areas um and there's there's one character that i'm like you don't really seem that important to the movie i'm not really sure why you're here okay Um, which we can get to in spoilers but overall i mean joven adepo and the lead role he was excellent um and then wyatt russell who i mean i think most people know him from comedy but he's also done some more dramatic stuff he was in ingrid goes west Mm -hmm. last year um, and was fantastic in it um and even his episode in uh, black mirror he's really good in that but this one he's just like i'm an action star deal with it um he's great i really just loved basically everything about this movie so i'm gonna um give it four and a half ticket stubs out of five 
and you can share your thoughts and then we can get into spoilers. All right, awesome. Yeah, we need to get into spoilers for this yes. movie to make any sense whatsoever. But yeah, Julius Avery takes a movie about Nazi zombies, if you will, and says a, a body horror movie about Nazi zombies mm-hmm. and says, I don't need any of that to make my movie because World War II is one of those things, is, is all of that on its own and for the first hour or so. Mm-hmm. It's before we just go, it goes nuts. It's all about that. And there's a camaraderie. There's like you said, great character work. Um, you're attached to this team and it, it almost plays out like a saving private Ryan level drama, yeah. honestly. And I was like, what on the earth is going on here? <laughs> this is, this is, this is relentlessly good. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there's not, there's not a bad beat. I don't have anything. Uh, I just, it's fantastic. And when it finally does go nuts, it goes nuts in a, in a fun way. Yeah. Um, but also in other ways that I didn't expect, um, where it's, you know, he just takes his time. Mm-hmm. Yet this movie doesn't break two hours. And that's probably the greatest part of it mm-hmm. is this like the, um, pacing and I don't know, everything collides. And you already talked about, um, Wyatt Russell. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, Jovan Depo. Mm-hmm. He is going to be somebody. Yeah. Because I don't, I mean like, it was he reminded me of Daniel Kaluuya. Like I was just like, people are going to put him in everything from now on. Sure, like, hope so. Um, and then you could just go down the list there of everyone else. Um, Madlith Oliver, mm-hmm. who playing Chloe, fantastic. She was so good. Um, and but then also though, uh, my favorite, the uh, John Marago, the like stereotypical Italian man. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, he was <laughs> him in his relationship with that kid. Oh. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was one of those like subtle moments. Like, he just wants to you know, throw the baseball. He thinks you're a baseball player because mm-hmm. you're from America. And he's just like, yeah. no. And then like the relationship that develops from there, it's just so sweet. And it, right. But it, there's not a lot of time dedicated to it. It's all just like, oh, look what's happening in the background. Yeah. And as like the six-hour um, event plays out. Right. These little notes just may, just add this other layer to it and gives you like a full range of emotions from being freaked out to feeling triumphant about like mm-hmm. the United States. And then also <laughs> you get like this pulpy Nazi zombie stuff. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm going to give it four and a half ticket stubs. All right. Um, I don't think I'd ever like revisit it. Really? I don't, yeah, I don't think so. Like, I think I've seen it. I enjoyed it and I'm ready to move a, on. I have a question for you. Okay. Are you not somebody who revisits a lot of movies? I don't revisit a lot of movies. Okay. I'm watching it again. It's because I really love it. Okay. Because like, you've, you've said that about several movies in the past. I'm just like, huh, you love this movie, but you're never going to watch it again. That's just so odd yeah. to me. I mean, cause, I mean, there's just so much else that I need to get to. I mean, yeah, but. That's why I like, but then uh, can I watch a new movie? Yes, I can. But can I watch Blade Runner again? Uh, <laughs> yes, that's probably what I'll do. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so let's jump into spoilers here so we can actually talk about Overlord and kind of its plot, the twists and turns that happen. Um, and if I can, I want to give a quick shout out to Ian DeCastaker, okay. my guy from Ages of Shield. He plays Fitz on the show, um, and he is the camera guy, um, Chase, oh, of the group. Okay. He is phenomenal on Ages of Shield, and so I was really happy to see him get this big screen role. Mm-hmm. And he gets, for me, one of the best moments of the movie, and where he just like goes off and just shines. I thought as an actor, when when he's in, he 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 dies, mm-hmm. and then they inject him with this uh, the zombie serum, right? And he comes back, and then he just kind of goes nuts. He starts throwing people around, and it is 
I thought brilliant stuff from Ian. Um, and hopefully I think just that, that five minute clip can be sent around to agencies around Hollywood and just get him more and more roles. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, he plays a camera dude and he, he's like kind of like the butt of the joke for like the whole yeah. team until like he just takes out, well, not taking out anybody, but yeah, just lays waste to the attic mm-hmm. before a depot just bashes his skull to yeah. a pulp. <laughs> Which is just like so shocking, but mm-hmm. also like fit right with like the movie. Yeah, it was it like the thing is here too is it doesn't indulge in its gore Mm-mm. as much as I thought it was going to be. I, I, the the Hell's Bells trailer, like the only one that they put out for this movie or maybe I mean, yeah. They did other ones. I thought it was the main one. Okay, yeah. yeah. Like, promised, like, oh, we're just going to send blood everywhere. Right. Not so. If, if, if gore can be tastefully done, Overlord knows how to do it. Yeah. Um, special effects-wise, I think you're absolutely wrong. Really? I loved everything there. I mean, like, yeah, I'm not looking at these battleships and warplanes <laughs> and being like, wow, I'm really there. Um, but in, like makeup and department and like you know prop department and these yeah. zombies and things like that I'm, I'm gonna call those special effects because they were really good yeah i'm, I'm talking about like cg stuff more just oh, like okay. you know maybe like the like him falling out of the plane at the very beginning mm-hmm. it's like eh, could have oh, a little that could have yeah. looked a little better there's um, a reason they like gopro'd him right exactly it's just like you know it's just like kind of stuff like that where like you understand like this movie's being made for like i don't know what its budget is probably like less than 40 million dollars and so like it can only it can only do so much, but like um, the special effects that it does use when it has to use CG to like start repairing um, the Russian uh, guy's face or mm-hmm. uh, showing like the scar formed in Wyatt Russell's chest. It's like all of that stuff looks really good, and like again, that has to be especially for uh, Pilo Aspect, who he was so good as the um, commanding officer guy. Yeah, the Nazi uh, zombie. Yeah, like. When his face is like half blown off, like that looks really, really good, and mm-hmm. like you can tell that there's like some sort like it's obviously partially practical, but then it's also, you know, there's there's CG elements to it too as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, hats off to the special effects, um, costume guys, the makeup people, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, totally. Even though I do have a question about Please. that. Mm-hmm. At one point, they show like his face is like being like re like reformed like it's coming back together yeah and then like it looks like it that didn't happen later on i think it was just like the tendons like flying around or like growing or reacting to like when he injects himself with like five of those vials Uh into the place um but it like comes like it comes at a point where he's like holding somebody up and then like it like shows a close up on his face and then yeah he's got russell up against the wall yeah and then all this stuff is like it looks like it's coming together and it's like forming again to like heal him or is it oozing out? I don't know. I took it as like he was healing, but then like they cut away and then they like show when they show him again, mm-hmm. his face is still like half blown off. Like, yeah. Huh. And then like if it can heal, then they're not just like right. zombies. That's like super soldier serum right. type stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like it elevates. So there was like maybe a little in world logic where I wasn't entirely sure what the effects of the serum were. Mm-hmm. But like that's such a minor detail yeah. for the rest of the movie that I'm like I'm basically overlooking it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no I, totally, I totally get what you're saying there. Um, but, uh, I mean, there's really not a lot to go deep on this movie. Uh, you were right, though. It went for under $40 million budget-wise. Oh. So, uh, I don't know what the box office projections are, but... It, it'll make it'll it'll make it something back. Is it too crazy? I mean, I said it in my review. Is it too crazy to say this is the best 
original bad robot movie the yeah no i don't think that's crazy enough to say okay i didn't think i mean it's bad robot for the longest yeah, time I, has just been like a jj's production company exactly he brings it with him yeah and i'm not talking like the mission impossible movies because they're just like a a financer product they'd help with production and stuff with that mm-hmm. i'm talking like this is like this is their movie same as the Cloverfield franchise is all bad robot yep um and then i think though they'd really uh, the only the really other one is super eight and it's like if you if you like if i have to go between Cloverfield, 10 Cloverfield lane and super eight and overlord which is my favorite which is the best one of the group i think i have to say overlord at this point you would give it to that over Dan Trachenberg's Ten Cloverfield I think so. Lane. I think so. That is. I'm not. Oh sa- Dan. Goodness. Dan. I'm not saying that Julius Avery has replaced you in my heart. I am just saying that uh, this is a really special movie. Uh, absolutely. And this is this is the bigger thing I feel about this. You know, kind of in regards to JJ's potential production deal with whoever he signs with. Mm-hmm. If these are the kind of directors and stories that they're going to give attention to, coming out of that. I am going to be just over the moon. Right. Because the thing the thing about Overlord is, yeah, it's Nazi zombies, but it just it drops you right into mm-hmm. a World War II like story mm-hmm. um early on and says this is what we're going to be about for the first hour and here's all your average your atypical um period war drama mm-hmm. right here. And like and they sort of uses the horror in just being on a battlefield to scare you. And then they're like, all right, well, you've already seen that in all these other movies. So now here's the here, Yeah, here's the wrench. Feast and, your eyes yeah. and, let, you know, have fun there. And uh, I, I just think that that was a brilliant move. Uh, I really do. I mean, I've, I've seen some people say that I think one of the things that maybe support, not I guess not supports my argument that Overlord's the better than any of the Cloverfield movies mm-hmm. is that, you know, there were those rumors that Overlord was going to be turned into a Cloverfield movie okay. in post. I don't know how that would have worked, honestly based on the movie we got. But I do think like something like for 10 Cloverfield Lane, I love the first uh, five sixths of that movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's when it turns into the Cloverfield thing at the end where it's like, it doesn't lose me, but I loved the thriller kidnapped aspect of 10 Cloverfield Lane more than the, oh, aliens are here yeah. aspect. And so I'm very happy with how Overlord was that like there wasn't some other mm-hmm. twist of like oh well now here's yeah. how how it becomes Cloverfield so I like sure. that like I think Ten Cloverfield Lane maybe could have benefited from a similar approach where just make the great contained horror thriller don't worry about an alien invasion element and just like have her escape and figure out well was he telling the truth or was he just lying to keep me there yeah. Okay, no, I mean, yeah, but that 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 element is part of the drama, I think, because it's like, is he crazy or is he right? Right, and you're fighting with that the entire time, and then you get to the end of it, and you're like, oh, the answer is actually both. Yeah, which is what you're not, which is not what you're expecting. Um, but deep in your head, you also think oh, this dude's definitely crazy. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And then that's when the alien thing comes up. It's just kind of like, all right, there's your um, cheering heroic moment because mm-hmm. we hadn't gotten one of those yeah. just yet. And that, and the thing is too, this movie felt four quadrant, like it really did. Like if there you stripped out swearing and some of the blood, okay. <laughs> it would have been like, oh man, you could show this movie to like everybody, and it would be like. Totally cool. Or you could get it down to PG-13 or whatever the yeah. case is. Um, and I don't know. It's just, it has that Abrams fun, but 
twisty. Uh, I don't know. There's a there's a there's a thrill to it. As yeah, well. it's it's genre mashing, and I, I didn't expect that. I ju- I really just thought it was Texas Chainsaw in World War Two. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what I thought. <laughs> but uh, no, um, all hail the Overlord. I guess <laughs> the Overlord, exactly. Um, so the I mentioned earlier that there was one character that I didn't necessarily think was needed. Yep. In the movie. Do you have any me. guess on who it is? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say you don't like Mad, Mathlid Oliver's Chloe? Oh, no. I thought, I, honestly, she may have been like my favorite part of the movie. Oh, okay. Um, especially from a character perspective, because one of the things I loved is that, um, and I'll get to who I didn't like after this, but I love the fact that she is basically, she crosses paths by coincidence with you know mm-hmm. the group that we're following. So And then her brother is taken... Um, as a result but it isn't like and so then there's obviously the team up element of all right well now chloe has to work with ford and, and uh Boyce mm-hmm. to a go take down the tower but b also save her brother yeah but then once they get in there she's like all right i gotta go save my brother mm-hmm. and they're like no no no, that's not the that's not the point of the time like it's not that time yet and she's like right. i don't care about yeah. your mission i'm here for my own and i'm like exactly mm-hmm. like she shouldn't like stay with them she should go find her brother on her own right agency yeah and i love that about her character because she's not a damsel in distress of oh you have to come save me and save my family she just like does it herself goes gets a flamethrower kills some zombies and just like rules the day which is actually the best takedown of the entire yeah the entire movie because it starts off with her brother getting like grabbed at it or her getting grabbed out of nowhere by like some, some massive arm and then uh, fights her way through, puts a gun up to the head, and then like she walks away thinking like the the, the the most brilliant part of this is she's walking away like she's traumatized that she just killed someone and he just holds there and then all of a sudden the zombie starts getting back up and then it's like right back to the races. Yeah. But that real quick breather that they give us was like, oh, that's nice, the nice character human moment mm-hmm. before the chase is on and then she picks up the flamethrower and lays him out. No, please tell me who you hate it. Was it Pillow Aspect? No, no. Loved okay. him. Um, it was Dominic Applewhite's character, Rosenfeld. The, oh. guy, the guy who Boyce finds in, in the, the tower lab. at the beginning. Just because like he doesn't do any like he's he doesn't really like serve a purpose. I mean yeah he helps um Tibbet in the final battle. Mm-hmm like shoot some zombies. Right. But like, other than that, like there, like there's not really a built up connection enough between him and Boyce to make, to like have that rescued friendship thing work, I think as well as it needed to. And then like, I just felt like he was just an extra character that we didn't necessarily need other than, Hey, we need somebody to fire an extra gun at the end. Yeah, I suppose. Like he I mean, like that's nitpicky. But it, it, is, it. it is kind of nitpicky, but it, it's more just it maybe stands out to me more just because I thought the rest of those characters were given such defined um, stories and motives, mm-hmm. and his I didn't get that I guess. So it's maybe more I guess me just maybe wanting more from him to live up to the rest of the characters. Okay, um, which may or may not be fair I guess, but yeah, I mean it's just it's he's like he's the catalyst for the lab. Yeah, um, Boyce doesn't go down there. I mean Boyce is down there, but rescuing him is sort of like the uh well we got to go back to the lab type of a thing or whatever but. i mean i guess but if like he doesn't find him like he saw like the the head of the one girl mm-hmm. and he saw other bodies oh. down there and like if he just like took the serum and left i think he would still say hey there's weird stuff going on down there yeah we need to like go there and see if any of our guys are there yeah. so i don't i don't think 
his removal really changes the movie that much. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I, 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 I kind of agree that it's kind of nitpicky, but um, it's kind of, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I will say though, this, why did they just tie the kid up in the lab? Like they weren't even experimenting on him. Right. It's like they've, they've got this little boy. They're like, okay, we could put him in prison or just tie him up in this lab and put a blanket over yeah. him. That'll hold him. Yeah. <laughs> they just leave him there. It didn't make a lot of sense. Um, but one of the uh, aspects of the finale that I did love was the decision that Ford made at the end mm-hmm. because he, after he injects himself, yeah, um, he helps obviously take down uh, Pilo Aspect's character or so they thought. Buffner. And from there, it's like, oh, now the, we're good. We're going to go home. We're going to mm-hmm. be rescued. It's all going to be fine. And I'm thinking as I'm watching the movie, so the Americans are just going to get this serum and they're going to do the exact same thing. This is going to be this is going to be dumb. And then he realizes that same thing yeah. right as I'm thinking it. I was like, this is brilliant. And he it's like, you know, says, all right, go, boys. And then locks the door and decides basically to sacrifice himself yep. to kill the, all, of, all, all the rest of the serums, all the rest of the people that have been brought back to life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was just a great choice to make to show kind of just that, you know, this power – no matter whose hand it was in, whether it was the Nazis or Americans, was not going to end well. Yeah. So they just made the decision to wipe it all out. Mm-hmm. They already shut. They shut down the sequel before it began. Yeah, exactly. Even though I was thinking, like at the end, because they say, uh, "Oh yeah, we're going to be assigned to the the fleet or whatever." Charlie Company. Um, yeah. I was like, that would be actually a really like cool sequel to this movie of like they're all like on a boat and then like a zombie person like happens to like be washed up onto the boat and then Rosenfeld who'd been injected with a slow acting serum because he was in the lab. Yeah. I was also, I was also waiting for that. I was waiting for it to turn too. I thought he was the one who turned. So maybe that's the sequel. Ian. The next, the next day, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're on the boat and then he doesn't feel well. He turns and then it's like the zombie movie, but it's on a boat. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it changes everything. keeps it confined. Um, I think that'd be really fun. But. They, they definitely have a winner here, that's for sure. Um, Bill Ray and Mark L. Smith, fantastic job writing. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, we already talked about last week, Julius Avery already has lined up his next directing gig for uh, Flash Gordon. So, uh, I mean, this clearly is not going to be the last we see of him. I, I suddenly care about Flash Gordon. <laughs> um, I think I, I don't know if I withheld judgment or just said that it was, like, really campy. But uh, I have confidence in the dude and it'll probably be like a really nice paycheck too regardless of what yeah how the film turns out so good for that man yeah he's also supposed to do i'm trying to figure out what the name of it is because it's not on his imdb list but um he he was currently he was previously attached to direct the heavy for bad robot and paramount Mm -hmm. which is a superhero thriller um but there has yet to be movement on that and then he joined flash gordon so i don't know if that project is dead but the heavy sounds more up his alley than flash Gordon does, but either way, Julius Avery, I think is a very promising director. And hopefully this is the beginning of uh, bigger things. I don't know if he can necessarily get better than this. I mean, he can, he can improve always, but yeah, uh, this is a pretty stellar it is, next step. I yeah, guess. Yeah, it is. It is. It is seriously. Well, I mean, uh, it's not his directorial debut. I no. know. Son of Gun in and something else was. Yeah, he did Son of a Gun and uh, uh, Son of a Gun was his directorial debut, but mm-hmm. then he did a bunch of shorts before that. Okay, yeah, but it's as masterful as an opener as Dan Trachtenberg's Ten Cloverfield Lane. 
It really was. Yeah. Uh, mind blown away. Yeah, and we will talk about in the news segment about another bad robot movie uh, that is on the way. So uh, be on the lookout for that. But the thing is, though, if Wyatt Russell gets another bad robot gig after Playtest, which was directed by Dan Trachenberg, what is bad robot doing? What if it's Wyatt Russell and Dan Trachtenberg together? What if it's Dan Trachtenberg and Julius Avery co-directing a movie together? Uh, I don't know. Maybe they can head up one of the 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 mini series that you know will will spawn from J.J. Abrams' mega deal. There we go. They can do that. They Gotta can have something to go on Disney Plus. <laughs> exactly. We'll see if that actually lands there or not. But uh, I think that's it. We that's all we have for that's Overlord. That's all I've got. Um, Great stuff. Absolutely go see it. Um, whether you're looking for horror, a little bit of comedy, action, war, thriller, uh, it really covers a lot of ground. And I think. Uh, and thankfully, no random love story either. Yeah. I mean, not that you can't put that in your movie, but yeah, just I mean, like, I mean, the most forced. The most like affectionate relationship is between Tibbet and the kid. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's like such a sweet thing. Like, he got shot safe in the kid. Like, he mm-hmm. lives, thankfully. Um, but like, yeah, that relationship was great. Chloe's relationship with the kid was great. Um, Boyce and Ford formed a nice uh, little relationship there by the end. So yeah, I mean, relationships, characters across the board, action, humor, guts, blood. It's got everything you'd want. So yep. uh, go see Overlord this weekend. Overlord. No guts, all glory. <laughs> Except it's got a lot of guts. Yeah, that's so. true. Guts and glory. <laughs> guts and glory and blood and humor and Mm -hmm. a lot of other things that make it a really special movie so uh, go check it out that's it for our review of overlord and we'll be right back in a bit with the news back with the news and as always we'll start with our three main topics this week uh taron edgerton stirred up some people made some people worried about the future of the kingsman franchise when he told yahoo that he is not going to be in the next kingsman movie um and this word a lot of people because yahoo ran the headline of taron edgerton is not in mm-hmm. kingsman 3 but that's actually not the case it's just that uh you know he that the great game the kingsman prequel yeah. is actually going to take mm-hmm. place first it is going to be the next movie that matthew vaughn films it'll be the movie that comes out on that november 2019 release date that's why all this casting has been happening it makes sense that taron's not going to be in there yeah and then he also clarified that well while i'm not going to be in the next kingsman movie this is not the, you've not seen the last of Exe. Mm-hmm. hinting that kingsman 3 is still probably going to happen and we will see him again yeah. so uh, i think it was movie clickbait that grabbed one of these articles thank gosh for movie clickbait they just like or you I, you follow them they're dumb they just oh, oh that's right you will people who make a living off of headlines i guess and yeah. writing um there there are, there are various there uh, yeah i don't think the definition of cl- the click the definition of clickbait has expanded okay. so broad i'll say this where anything can basically be I've never read one of your headlines and said clickbait. Oh, well, they do not agree. <laughs> uh, you've been picked up. Okay, well, not me, maybe point, not me personally, but an article not from Scream Rant who okay. doesn't do clickbait. Um, they picked up and they're like, 
and they picked it up and uh, they picked up that headline. They're like, because he can't be in a movie before he was born or like in the series yeah. or something like that. I was like, yeah, not worried, but um, they're really moving forward with this. And I thought this was just like a spinoff idea where honestly, before we were getting casting and all this stuff and we don't have Brad Pitt confirmed yet, but that's going to be wild. If yeah. So with him and Rachel Wise and uh, who else is it? Ralph Fiennes mm-hmm. and uh, Harris Dickinson. Those yep. are the four rumored casting uh, additions for the movie. But I guess I'm excited for it now. I mean, it seems like everyone's on board and around it. I, the question is, is Eggsy's dad going to be a part of this in any way? I would assume no, but we'll have to wait and see obviously what the timetable is exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't want to see like, uh, I don't know, like somebody else come in and be like, Oh, this is the young Mr. Eggsy. <laughs> it's like, no, Please no. Fair <laughs> like, enough. We, like we don't we don't need that. We don't need like a young Colin Firth uh, to appear. We don't need a young Harry Hart. Like we don't need any of that stuff. The only thing I could see them doing is maybe like get somebody else to play um, the guy whose name I'm blanking on, uh, Alfred from the Nolan's Dark Knight movies. Oh yeah, Michael Caine. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Uh, get get somebody to play like a young version of him. Sure. Like I could see something like that, but I don't need like one of the main characters from the Kingsman franchise to be involved in this prequel. I'd rather just be at its own thing. Um, I mean, I guess in hindsight, this kind of makes sense that the great game is taking precedence over Kingsman three. Cause like you mentioned, we've had all of this casting news as of late unofficial casting news. So this is the one that seems like they're pushing. Um, it really just makes me wonder, you know, do you think we'll actually get Kingsman three then? Well, will we see turn edged in return or not? Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, like they're 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 gearing up for Brad Pitt to be a part of this, uh-huh. um, and that kind of says confidence. And if that movie even remotely makes what the other two did, that'll be the green light to go forward, because franchises are so important. True, but the Disney Disney will take over the franchise at the turn of the year. They will own Fox Studios officially. But yes, they're still going to be that semblance of independence. I mean. It just we'll, may we'll be see. a while. Or they'll be like, all right, we'd rather stop Taron Edgerton's own personal franchise and fold them into with a superhero film yeah. or something like that. Like, But, I mean, there's so many unknowns about how these, how it's going to shake out. Mm-hmm. But, I, I mean, if they're already sinking costs into these movies, Disney can't come along in the first two, three years and be like, oh, okay, let's not do this. Well, I mean... I've, Although they could. They could. And that's, I guess, it really, it really just opens up the question of, what exactly Disney's vision is for Fox once they take over them? You know, it, are they going to let them operate semi-independently? I can't imagine so. Or because like there's been like the talk of well, it'll be called New Fox or it'll be Fox, and then Old Fox will become New Fox uh, or what, however that shakeup's going to happen. Yeah, but, the news. Well, the news side's its own thing now. Uh huh. Um, They'll still have news and wait, sports. Yes. And so I think they're going to be New Fox, and then what Disney inherits. Like 20th Century Fox's film, TV, um, National Geographic, all that kind of stuff, that will still be under Fox. I think they're still going to keep the Fox label because it is a valuable label. You don't just, I, I guess, throw that away. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I guess it just kind of comes down to, you know, do does Fox have to maybe change their standards for what movies they can and cannot make? Um, or, how? like, I guess it just comes down to, yeah. th- does Disney, like, put the hammer down on, well, no R-rated franchises disney owned miramax for a while yeah i mean and maybe fox is just their maybe fox is the banner for them to you know, 
even though people will know, you and I will know, mm-hmm. it's how they funnel all of their rated R ideas right. to it. So when some Pixar animator is like, all right, I got this idea, everybody. <laughs> like, okay, let's just take that and send it over to Fox. All right, go over there. See ya. Bye. You know, it'll kind of work out like that. And oh my gosh, it is called New Fox. What is Rupert Murdoch thinking? Yeah. Oh, oh awful name. Yeah, you'd think that you just like change it completely, but it's a, it's a weird decision to make. But yeah, <sighs> uh, whether or not I fully believe that we will get Kingsman 3, it's still up in the air. I don't. I don't know. I think that they'll have to be f- far enough down the road with enough sunken costs where Disney can't just say, mm-hmm. "Nope, you're done." Yeah. Um, and and even if they do say that initially, the great gag, the great game could come out, be great, be a great critical hit, and then Matthew Vaughn could say, "You know, my next movie was Disney, like to have it be a kind of a, a Kingsman three that also featured some of the prequel characters through flashbacks and mm-hmm. kind of do like this." multiple timeline story and they could say oh okay we'd love to have brad pitt back or we'd love to get you know ralph fines or harris dickinson or yeah. whoever keep those guys around but also bring in um edgerton and colin firth and all those other people yeah like i think like i've been saying like you got a picture at least this is how i like to imagine everyone's approach at fox right now just do everything <laughs> exactly. put money into everything you can now anything that you want done in the next five years that way the transition period, you're definitely probably going to get it. Um, I think it'll depend on how much money that is. Get, a, get at least a million bucks in your movie and you'll be on your way. A million bucks for Disney? Know. Is, I mean, yeah, I know. That it's is chump nothing. Change. <laughs> They're they buying the studio for $72 billion. I think they'll be like, yeah, we could take a million dollar mm-hmm. loss. We'll make, we'll make that up in the first week of Disney Plus subscriptions alone yeah. probably. Well, precisely. And they'd be like, all right, we'll just dump it on there. Yeah. So uh, I, mean, I guess we will figure out, hopefully sometime soon, what exactly the future holds for Kingsman. But as of now, it looks like the great game is the future immediately. And I love the title. Yeah, good title. Um, we will also maybe be getting new titles for Shrek because Variety reported that Universal is looking to, quote, reboot, end quote, the uh, Shrek IP for new films that would uh, reboot the Shrek franchise, but also the Puss in Boots franchise. Um, but the twist of this whole thing is, uh, they apparently still want to keep the voice cast around, which mm-hmm. is not a reboot? Question mark? It's a it's a reboot sequel. No, it's a reboot, but you're just telling different stories. So it sounds to me like they're going to do a retcon sequel. A retcon sequel, yes. As exactly. we discussed a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Which you should tune into. Check out that big question. Yeah, I replugged it after this news. That makes... The, that seems the most logical, no? Yeah, 100%. But the voice cast is iconic. Like, I do not want to see or hear anyone else other than Mike Myers playing... Mike Myers, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah, Mike Myers and Eddie Murphy as Shrunk and Donkey. And the and whole... And Cameron Diaz as Fiona. Exactly. And Antonio Banderas as Puss. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, That's about it. That, those, are the, those are the main four, I right. guess. Whoever plays Prince Charming, he does a good job. But other than that... Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, sure. Remix these characters. They're iconic. They're fun. I mean, they were basically just playing around in the fourth one anyway, where they're like, what crazy story can we work up? Okay. And then did, they, didn't the fourth one do like time travel or something? Yeah, they did. Yes, they did. Time travel. And it was like basically back to the future for Shrek. Right. Do all sorts of crazy stuff with Shrek that. Shrek Forever After, I believe that's what the title was. Shrek the final chapter. Or, yeah, Forever After. Yeah. There was a forever in there. Because it was four. It's the fourth yes. movie. <laughs> Which is like, yeah, okay, it was, it was Shrek, Shrek 2, Shrek the 3rd, Shrek Forever After. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and like it's a fun little world to play with, and the potential was definitely not lived up to in three and two, two and three. Yeah, I'd say three and four. No, four is great. Really? Yeah. Um, the Rumpelstiltskin. Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah, that he he's fantastic. If you say so. I don't know. I don't. Are you not down for this then? Um, I mean, I'm I'm down for it. I guess like. The Shre- I, I really like that first Shrek movie, but this is not a franchise that, you know, is near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, it came, the Shrek franchise came at a time when I was still a kid, so I was still like into it. But then like, you know, by the time Shrek Forever After came around, it's 2010. So not at that point, I'm not really interested in Shrek movies. So maybe a revisit would be like, hey, this movie is actually like better than I thought it was. But I also just don't think that, I, I guess I don't necessarily need more Shrek movies, and if they're going to make them, my question is: if you're going to reboot, like again, what does that mean? If you're going to keep the same voice cast, are you just going to wipe away three and four, wipe away four, um, wipe away all of them, and just basically reboot the whole thing, but use the same idea, same cast? Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's where my head goes because i just don't know how else you really reboot this i guess yeah maybe it's like young shrek <laughs> oh gosh and we see all of these characters before they knew each other mm. but they'd actually cross paths 10 <laughs> years before they crossed paths yeah. for the first time in the first film they just didn't know they like bumped into each other on one of the roads like, hey get out of my way exactly that could be oh, i don't gosh. know I, yeah that i don't know bad. where you go or how you unless you just start all the way over and say okay here's mike myers and shrek again we'll do it a little bit differently but basically the same beats uh, if it's that case, I don't want to see it. But if they are like doing like whimsical tales told while Shrek is talking to his babies or whatever mm-hmm. the case is, because I think he has like triplets at the end of it. Yeah, he's got something. Um, There's all the donkey dragon babies too. That's right. So, <laughs> so <laughs> they have a lot going on. They that, do. Uh, but I mean, the, the kind of the, the worst thing though is um, DreamWorks is out of ideas. What's the yeah. last original DreamWorks? That's a good question movie that came out i can't think of anything other than how to train your dragon that's probably the last one um yeah i don't know it's oh boss baby i take that back boss baby oh yeah you you love boss baby i dare you i'm just i know i'm stating a fact you do love it panda they also did trolls madagascar madagascar i mean i think they still make okay one of those movies every couple years (laughs) and the crudes this that sequel is supposed to be out i think next year as well so um, I mean, yeah, they obviously... I take that back. They obviously continue to make movies, but the fact that we're asking this question of what else mm-hmm. is DreamWorks doing? Right. It, it does kind of just show that, like, they don't have that big of an imprint anymore. Yeah. Like, 10 years ago, I think they were obviously much bigger than Illumination was, but then mm-hmm. Illumination got Despicable Me. They just launched Grinch this past weekend, which is going to make a ton of money at the box office. Yep. Um, They've got Mario in there. Yeah. So back like, pocket. They just keep, Illumination Ooh. keeps coming for basically Disney and Pixar's crown of like top animated studio. And DreamWorks, I feel like is kind of like, well, what are we, do? what are we, what are we supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, Shrek, Shrek reboot. Yep. Somebody get it. Somebody do it now. Hurry, please. <laughs> and a rehash of Megamind would be great too while they're at it. All right, if you say so. I haven't seen Megamind. Oh, Will Ferrell, Brad Pitt, Tina Fey. Got a great um, cast. And the other guy who plays the bald dude with the glasses sure. on movies. Yeah. That's I, know who, I know who that guy is. Absolutely. He's, uh, the Chipmunks uh, record label guy. Oh, the guy from Rest of Development. Yeah, David... Uh, David, uh, David Cross? Cross. David Cross, yep. Is that him? All right, awesome. Ben Stiller and Jonah Hill are also in there. That's right. Justin Jonah Hill's Thoreau. the villain. 
Oh, spoiler alert. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> and J.K. Simmons also. So, uh, I mean, yeah, it's got a good cast. I just have never really been interested in seeing Justin this movie. Justin Theroux in Megamind? He plays Megamind's father. Awesome. So, I love it. There you go. Um, but let's move on to Star Wars 9. Not that there's any real hey, news. Is that the first time we've said that in a news topic on this show? That is a great question. Well, lately. I, lately? We did casting news yeah, over the year. Yes. So the last time we talked about it was when Matt Smith joined. Which no, is, no, that's not right. It's been it's been a bit. Yeah. Was he the last casting edition? Him and the other guy who plays Mary on the show, whose name I don't even have written down here because oh, I was not uh, expecting to say it. Dominic Mo- uh, Montague. M- uh, Monahan? No, it's not Monahan. Monahan, yeah. What is it? Is yeah, it? that sounds right. Anyway, what's what are we talking about with Star Wars Night? I'll figure this out. <laughs> it is, yeah, it is Dominic Monahan. Uh, we are talking about rumors. Ooh, because juicy. as you kind of mentioned, we haven't talked about Star Wars in a while. So, especially Star Wars Nine has mm-hmm. in fact been ten episodes, which is like two and a half months. So, uh, like a century. It's in it's, our it's time. been it's been a while. I mean, we did talk. We did have a big question about it. So, um, it's a little different, I guess. Um, but uh, Josh wanted to kind of run through some rumors that he doesn't know about. Right. So I'm going to throw Star Wars Nine rumors at Josh, and he is going to tell us how <clears throat> believable they are. Because I am the I'm the I I you know. declare myself the Star Wars expert. You you know what JJ is doing. I him and I are on the same wave same wavelength. Exactly. Except for when projects Dan Trachtenberg's allowed to work on. <sighs> That's true. Will so the first rumor is Dan, that JJ is going to resign and Dan Trachtenberg is going to take over. Oh well, that one is not true, unfortunately, because JJ. Unfortunately, would you rather see Dan Trachtenberg direct Star Wars Nine? Yeah, I think that would have been crazy awesome <laughs> if he did. But there's no way Kathleen Kennedy would. No. I mean, that's the same <laughs> as letting uh, Gareth Edwards yeah. direct. Um, they do one or two good movies. Uh, uh, that's. I think that's even a further leap because. Yeah, because Gareth Edwards handled a huge budget. movie. He at least did Godzilla. Godzilla. Yeah. Um, but Edwards just did, or not Transport just commercials. Okay, but anyway. So one, this isn't, I guess, maybe not a rumor, but there was a report from Variety that said Lucasfilm is viewing Star Wars Nine as quote. A course correction. Do you believe that? No, I don't believe that. Is there a course that needs correction? No. All of these things were put out in the stars, man. And like, and I did this. Uh, this rumor I did read. Um, Cooper is reading these to me because I'm too afraid to look online. Yeah, he doesn't um, want any spoilers. I accidentally spoiled like part of episode seven, and then I said never again, <laughs> never again. I knew about the potential Han Solo death. Ooh, that's a big one. I know. Well, it's, well it was the, 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 the way it was worded was Han Solo is in the script up to this point, and then he's not in the script. <laughs> and I was like, oh come on. <laughs> oh, so he just goes on vacation. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Or he reveals himself to Kylo Ren. I think is the line, and then that's it. Like, oh, maybe he just leaves and it's yeah. the cliffhanger for the movie. Who knows? He says, um, meet me back home, son. <laughs> right. No, I don't think it's... I mean, if it's being viewed as a course correction, it's because it's the first film after Solo. Mm-hmm. And they're like, all right, let's put Star Wars back on track. When J.J. picked up the project, we didn't know what Solo was going to do yeah. or how it was going to go. He was already putting wheels in motion by the time... We hit to that point. So it's being viewed as a course correction. It's not because of the content that's in the film or the backlash because J.J. loved episode eight. Mm-hmm. Or so he says publicly. No, it's or so he said before the movie even got shot. He read the True. script and was like, it's so good. I wish I could have done it. 
But it, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I believe you and I believe him, but it's also like, do you expect him to say oh, the Star Wars 8 script is trash? I hate it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they ruined everything I was setting up. I just don't think he would go out of his way. I don't, yeah. um, I don't think so either. So. But, you know, there are other you know theories out there that say otherwise. Okay. Well, if you say Grace Rudolph, we're going to... No, 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 no. <laughs> never. Never mention that name okay. again. A memoriatorium on that name yes, for the show from thank now you. on. Jeez. Um, no way. Okay. I guess it depends on what the definition of course correction is, but Precisely. I can I can maybe buy. I think it's just like let's get us back on track with a really good Star Wars movie. Yeah, JJ's like, well, duh, that's All what right. I'm doing. I was I was planning on doing that anyway. Thanks, so thanks, Bob. Yeah, thanks everybody for the vote of confidence. And I got to imagine J, uh, JJ's like rolling his eyes at Bob Iger <laughs> too in some of these ways because this is like, oh the, the oh you're alone, so your name is Solo. Okay, man, that's yeah. your storytelling <laughs> expertise. I'll just do my thing. Yeah, it's like you you leave the stories to me, Bob. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Uh, so one of the other, again, not necessarily a rumor, but something that um, Adam Driver said recently that caught some people's eyes. Oh, I think it did. See uh, this. He was asked about his favorite part about playing Adam, uh, playing Kylo Ren mm-hmm. in Star Wars. And he said that he couldn't really say what that is because they're, quote, working towards something, end quote. And he didn't want to spoil anything. Oh, and I didn't see this, actually. Ooh. What could they be working towards that is so interesting to Adam Driver that he can't reveal. Is he turning to the good side? No, no, maybe, yes, possibly. Who knows? I think that's up in the air. As per one of our big questions a while ago, which you should definitely check out, it is one of the best first 10 minutes of a big question I think we have. <laughs> After that, goes right down. Yeah, now. back to zero. Or yeah, like five or 10 to like a six or seven. <laughs> All of our shows are at six or sevens. Oh, um, Got to get that up. Well, I mean, like it was so, so good. By comparison, everything gets brought down. Hmm, okay. I'm going to shut up now. All right. Anyway. Are you saying that we're a, oh wait, are we, is that at a five or was that at a 10? A five. Oh, okay. I thought you were going at a 10. I was like, oh, we're six out of tens? Ugh. Not loving this. Okay. <laughs> Apparently, Josh is not a fan of the podcast. <laughs> um, point is, I dig it. I love it. I think so. I don't know if the redemption's in order, but Kylo is the most complex Star Wars character ever created. Agreed. Um, He's the most complex actor also, so it works out great. Uh, And if they did work towards something special with like, you know, bringing him all the way back around and surviving, which I don't think is possible, but if they do, then that will be the greatest feat ever because where we left Kylo Ren at the end of episode eight, that would take a script to just run the gambit of his story arc. Um, and maybe we'd have to, you know, involve dredging up some old spirits of oh, ancient evil Sith Lords like oh. XR Kun. I thought you were going back to the, well, maybe Han Solo appears as the Force Ghost. No, he is going to appear as the Gosh, Force Ghost. I, I just will, know it. Oh, that'll I be, that'll know be so it. bad. That'll be so bad. He believes in the Force. That's oh. why Harrison Ford has the beard, too, and everything. Gosh, if that happens, you can grow so a beard help the, the podcast. <laughs> the podcast will burn. Uh, so there's also a rumor, um, speaking of former Sith Lords, mm-hmm. uh, that Matt Smith is playing a young Emperor Palpatine. Ew. Ew. Nope. Not, no. Nope. We left all that behind. That's all gone. What, what, what do we need a young Palpatine for? I have no like, idea. Listen, apply Occam's razor to Star Wars, okay, people? 
the, the most complex answers are never right. It's the simple stuff, okay? And young Palpatine is so out of left field, his name has not been dropped once in this franchise. It's true. This next, in this trilogy, they are not going to just veer four movies back, three movies back, no, two movies back, three movies back, to grab a character and yank him into this franchise because it's all been all about the new with yeah. three holdovers. But what if Kylo is like you know he's obviously obsessed with Vader, his grandfather. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, maybe he has some Force vision, or he's told some story. There's a flashback to uh, the, the 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 history of the Sith. We see something about a young Palpatine. I could buy it. I think Matt Smith could fill the role of a young Palpatine. All right. I don't think it's happening. But if it did, I wouldn't be totally upset about it. I will say this. This is my guess as I think about Star Wars' future. If Matt Smith is a young Palpatine, that's because Matt Smith is going to star in Benioff and Weiss's franchise. Oh, I was going to go in Because he is going, they are going to tell the story of how um, Palpatine rose to power in the Senate. Although we do get that glimpse in the um, prequel trilogy, uh-huh. they're going to play it out a little bit differently a young handsome senator arrives on coruscant to represent naboo but then he gets corrupted by the dark side and sells his soul to whatever the sith sell their soul to i thought you were going to go this is this is where i would Mm -hmm. think the franchise is going if matt smith is young palpatine it means you're getting a young palpatine miniseries on disney plus Ooh, that could be just as good i could i could absolutely see that happening but especially that actually makes it, more sense spe- than Benny Hoffman. Especially because Star Wars seems just dead set on just reusing people we already know. So hmm. not get nothing against Diego Luna. Good for you. You got your own series, but that who, sounds who, like a dig. Can we get some new people? Maybe some new some new leads. <clears throat> um, anyways, we'll st- we'll stay with this a little bit. Okay, we have to have a talk later. Snoke. Yes. Is returning? Question mark. No, because Andy Circus, at a last minute, canceled an appearance at a con, at the same time when Star Wars obviously filming. So that obviously means that Andy Circus canceled the con because he got a phone call from JJ saying, "Hey, come to uh, wherever we're filming. I think it's, they're filming in Jordan currently. Mm-hmm. Come to Jordan and film some scenes, and you have to do it. No, no how, no way, or." Number one, because Snoke would not need, he would not need to be on location. I mean, I know they do mocap and all that jazz, but why would he need to show up and do scenes there? I know Adam Driver went out to um, to Ireland to shoot those scenes with Daisy. Um, But, no, I don't don't buy it. Don't need it. Um, Last one, Kylo Ren has a new super weapon in the movie. Yeah, that's probably true. They've got to have something to raise the stakes. True. Um, it, I mean, the chase thing only works so well, so now you've got to do something to draw the resistance out again. And mm-hmm. super weapons are pretty good at doing that. True. We're going to blow everything up if you don't come fight us, which is basically the gist of the Star Wars super weapons. <laughs> right. Um, and there's no... I mean, like... In a, a high stakes emotional battle between Ray and Kylo 
would be another you know centerpiece for your movie but you gotta have finn poe rose and r2d2 bb8 and chewy like doing something mm-hmm. else because they can't just be like oh, okay we'll watch take popcorn and eat and right like, you know have gary the Porter running around or whatever the case is <laughs> which i guess that's the resistance broadcast name for him right yeah i believe i don't yeah. think that's official but yes that, okay. is, that is there but i think we're going to adopt that okay sure can we adopt that i don't know i think other people have adopted it so yeah All sure right. awesome um so you, you you buy this i think so it's gonna be we're gonna roll our eyes but there's going to be something that's threatening a mass populace somewhere somehow um, maybe they could just threaten to blow up a city like regular bad guys do <laughs> and put a bomb somewhere. But I mean, then again, it's like, oh, it's just one city. Who yeah, cares? I mean, they already destroyed all of Hosnian Prime. Right. You're going to destroy two systems now? Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what they do. Um, I think I don't necessarily want this to happen because then it'll just immediately awaken all the people who just said that episode seven was just a new hope mm-hmm. with a new skin. If, they bring, if they bring back another super weapon in the final ensemble of the trilogy, it's like, oh, JJ's just doing Return of the Jedi. Yeah. That's confirmed. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I don't think JJ would maybe want to do that. I don't think he'd want to risk that same backfire. Yeah. Um, that same backlash. Um, but the reason I could, I, I would maybe believe this is because they're reusing scenes from um, The Force Awakens and part of Leia's cut subplot was about the formation of the super weapon and stuff so that her dialogue her locations what she's actually talking about may only work in a we have to talk about super weapon plot so Mm. i could uh, that could explain it possibly so uh that is all those are all the star wars nine rumors we have talked about so let's move on to ticket or skip it okay there are four trailers to talk about this week only one of them gets a ticket from each of us uh that being the first teaser trailer for secret life of pets 2 the second trailer for mowgli uh the legend of something legend of the jungle Mm -hmm. um the first trailer for missing link and the second teaser for captive state josh which one gets your ticket this week missing link from lakia is definitely getting my ticket this week this is surprisingly so i will say um but zach gilfanakis as the the the, the the key to unlocking mankind's evolution or whatever the case is going mm-hmm. on here uh, is perfect. Um, it's all strung along perfectly to a Paul Simon song. Uh, and I don't know. This was the first one where I was like, this is outright adorable in every single way. Um, and Lakia usually goes darker or, I mean, they always take novel approaches, but there's usually a, a darker shade going here. Yeah. But this just looks all bright and beautiful and without you know a, a bad or a sour note there um and then the voice cast around it hugh jackman zoe saldana um emma thompson stephen fry mm-hmm. and david williams so here for that uh and yeah that gets my ticket this week all right um i'm going to give my ticket um to a movie that i mean i, I actually haven't decided yet so I'm kind of deciding on the spot, and I think you've convinced me to give it to Missing Link. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with it. Okay. Um, it was between that and the Mowgli trailer, mm-hmm. um, because it looked like it finally had a story. The Mowgli trailer, even though, but 
I'm still a little concerned about the faces of the animals. Oh, they're... they're still off on mm -hmm. some of them. Um, so hopefully they can finish that in the next three weeks before it's streaming. A surprise announcement on that as well. But uh, Missing Link, it just looks super charming. I've not seen Chris Butler's previous Leica movie, Paranorman. So I need to check that out. But, I mean, yeah, you mentioned the great voice cast. I was a huge fan of Kubo and the Two Strings uh, from two years ago, which introduced me to Travis Knight, um, who is going to be directing Bumblebee um, in December. So... Uh, uh, yeah, it looks it looks fun. It looks uh, charming. It's got a great voice cast. The animation is great. Um, yeah, it made me laugh. Yeah. It's got everything I can really want from an anime movie, I like, think. The, it's missing a little bit of suspense, but okay. other than that, it's really just like, oh, this is going to like be so warm-hearted. And a lot of Lakia movies eventually get you to that point. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know, just something about Zach Gilvanakis with like a semi-kind of fro, ape-man type person. I don't know. It just it works out great. And then Hugh, Hugh, I just can't wait to know more about uh, Hugh Jackman's character as well. Yeah. Um, so let's move on to the flyby then to wrap up this episode. Uh, Showbiz 411 reported that Isa Gonzalez may be the new Anita in Steven Spielberg's West Side Story remake. Josh, uh, second Baby Driver star possibly to join this movie. Um, is that a good thing? It is a good thing because she's fantastic. Um, although I still can't get a handle on this movie. Okay. Because Ansel Elgort is definitely not who I imagined them picking. But now if you'd said Isa Gonzalez and my man Oscar Isaac, I would have been like, I know where this movie's going. Mm -hmm. I don't know where this movie <laughs> is going with these two castings. Um, but I'm all about this. Like individually, yes. Together I'm like, huh, How, where are we going <laughs> Still need more. Yeah, but no, I love it. And, um, and although I don't think the first one can be – be topped honestly um you know you're we'll on board see. though yeah on board all right uh yeah i mean i am also on board for this if it happens again not a final deal yet but um i did not know isa could sing as well as she can um until i saw her instagram videos and uh yeah she is very talented so i think she could easily fit into the role of anita um and yeah i mean this uh if it's her and elgort great they can get john hammond there as the police officer yes. um they just get all the baby driver people i can have a cameo or something uh that'd be great i'm, I'm still hoping holding out hope for tom holland to join mm -hmm. um and yeah we'll we'll see obviously how this one plays out but uh we also got word this week from thr that allison janney has teamed up with bad robot the uh production nice. studio behind overlord um she will play a landlord who helps to who tries to help a young girl rescue her kidnapped daughter um in a movie called lou um and in the movie uh, allison janney as lou mm -hmm. will use her own particular set of skills to try to uh you know rescue this girl save someone who has been taken yes oh snap it's basically allison janney's taken yeah with a little bit of a twist because it's not her daughter mm -hmm. But this sounds like a great role for her. Yeah, and like her, uh, Allison Janney is the super who not only will fix your sink, but save your daughter from you know whatever's going on here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and like Allison Janney hasn't had a kick butt role in a while mm -hmm. or ever, maybe. Like I know she's like the big Oscar deal with um, I Tanya. I Tanya. Did she win for that? Yeah, she won for that. Yeah, she did. Um, but she's always been above that and to see her basically pick up some weapons and start kicking butt yeah i'm all about that maybe if it's a little bit more sleuthy um will fit her style yeah but i mean she's mainly just been like the comedy person 
comedy or like I am very smart and I'm going to tell you the way it is. Um, or like in Gone Girl where she's like, I'm a detective. I know that you did something here. And then she's in Gone Girl. Gone Girl. Uh, Girl on Girl the train. train. Yes. I was like just scrolling through IMDb and I saw that and I was like, I don't right. think she's in Gone sure. Girl, but maybe I haven't got that far yet. So maybe. Um, but yeah, no, 100% here for it. I love Alice and Janie. Yes. From mom to West Wing to just all of her movie appearances. Um, and we have to stick with Knives Out as we have been for the last six weeks, I think. Six? This I think, make, think this it makes seven? it seven. Yep. Um, uh, THR reported that Catherine Langford, the star of 13 Reasons Why, who recently joined Avengers 4's mm-hmm. cast as well, she's also joined Ryan Johnson's Knives Out cast. Um, again, no, I have no, I'm not familiar with her as an actress, but this is just more potential star power for this movie. A friend turned me on to 13 Reasons Why last week. And she's fantastic in it. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously, I need to watch the series because she's blowing up. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Um, and I saw the reasons why just in the first episode. Were there thirteen of them? I th- I th- no, wait. Yeah, I think there are thirteen episodes. There better no, be thirteen sorry. episodes. Wait, I'll say. Th- I know it's a pun, but okay. it's just like, uh, are there actually thirteen episodes? <laughs> there should be. That's like the typical high drama series order, anyway. Yeah, for Netflix. Typically. Um, so there thirteen, so. ten, or eight. <laughs> yeah, it almost sounds like it was written for that. Uh, well, uh, it was written for that but point being um yeah langford is great like there's the, her the entire first film is like how she kind of like um goes after a boy that she likes and it's so like she's so clever and um charismatic and so whatever in her in the ryan johnson film is gonna be perfect um and we also got a casting dish for godzilla vs kong another movie we've been talking about a lot recently for casting this one another netflix star this one being jessica henwick from iron fist um, I'm happy for this because Iron Fist was canceled and mm-hmm. Jessica Henwick was great in the show. She was set up to be the new lead basically for season three. And so since that is not happening, uh, I'm glad to see her get a role in Godzilla vs. Kong. And hopefully she's not just like a side character. I mean, she's probably going to be a side character, but I hope that she's not just like a random person. I hope she gets to like actually have like an actual role for the movie. Yeah. Uh, production starting date has to be really soon. I'm not familiar yeah. with her, but... Well, she was in Star Wars 7 as well. Yeah, she was one of the pilots, <laughs> of the pilots yeah. um, on, on the attack. And she's in Game of Thrones. I don't know her Game of Thrones role. I she was one of that. the uh, sand thing, sand uh, people. Sand people. Got it. Tusken Raiders. Okay. <laughs> awesome. I didn't know those were in that. I got to rewatch that yeah, show. Yeah. No, I, I don't remember. What, I, they're always in the sand. I don't remember what their tribe is or whatever, but... Dothraki. I don't think so. Okay. Um, the sun people. The sun. Uh, the island where Pedro Pascal is prince of. Mm. Oh, yeah. Is she one of the daughters? Maybe that's what it is. Why isn't anybody giving me information on her character? Maybe I should know her character's name first. But either way, yeah, good for her. Um yeah, I mean, we also got word this week from uh, producer David Hyman. He told Collider that the Willy Wonka movie is indeed going to be a prequel and that he still hopes Paul King will direct as previously reported he was in talks to do so. Mm-hmm. So just kind of a small update on the on the matter, but uh, okay. Yeah, still no word on Ryan Gosling or... Or Danny Glover or Ezra or, Miller, whoever, uh, whichever yeah, one. Yeah, hopefully Glover gets the job, though. Donald Glover, for the record. Um, like you said, did you say Danny? Like you said Danny. I'm, that's possible. Yeah. Danny Glover would be great too. Danny Glover <laughs> should be in this movie. I don't know if he can do a prequel to Willy Wonka. Uh, no, because he's not in the original. He could be Willy Wonka's dad. Be like, you can't have chocolate. No, I'm going to have chocolate all the time. And then he runs out away. And then there we go. It would be, be the perfect contrast to that one with Johnny Depp earlier in the year. Earlier in the century. 
Yeah. Um, and we also got word this week from Deadline that John Boyega and Letitia Wright have joined forces for a new sci-fi romantic thriller, Hold Back the Stars. Um, this is going to be directed by Mike Cahill. Um, so this is very exciting because Boyega and Wright are both great. But they're also longtime friends. They went to school together. So they obviously have like a connection already. And so now they're going to do a movie together on the big screen. That's really exciting. And hopefully this one comes together really quickly. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, this sounds like the Passengers movie that I didn't get to see mm-hmm. um, with two of the most fun people in Hollywood right now. Uh, and there were, I mean, I guess I don't know Letitia Wright is so well, but Black Panther. Yeah, she's um, great. I will see any project that she is in 100%. And then John for obvious reasons. Um, and then we also got word from the rap this week that Chris McKay, the director of Lego Batman movie has uh, signed on to direct a live action Johnny quest movie. I'm not familiar with Johnny quest. Never seen the cartoon. The maybe the most, um, exposure I've had to it is when it is shown briefly in the Incredibles two, which I just watched again and is so good. Um, but, uh, Chris McKay, big fan of Lego Batman, big fan of him. Hope his Nightwing movie happens. So uh, if this is what he has to do in the meantime, cool, good for him. Yeah, there's some there's a tightrope that's gonna have to walk and change the the original content completely because it's I don't think it would hold up well, problematic wise or at least. Um, I think Raj is like one of the characters and he's so stereotyped. Okay. That's the, but yeah, great for Chris um, because been dying for his next project and. Yeah, he was attached to Dungeons and Dragons, I think, and his, something else. Oh, he's uh, what was the other one? It's the the Nightwing, Nightwing. No. But then there's also Borderlands. He was like a, right, a, like rumored to be a mm-hmm. contender for that. No Apparently dice happening. But good for him. I'm so excited, or I'm just happy. We'll get excited once I know what this project looks like. Yeah. Um, and the last thing here we have here is uh, Netflix confirmed that the uh, Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio movie is going to arrive on the streaming service in 2021. So I know that was a question we had a week or two weeks ago. When we mm-hmm. talked about the movie being announced to begin with. So we now know roughly when it's going to hit the streaming service. It's a ways off, obviously, but um, this should be del Toro's next project then. So cool. Fantastic. Um, but that's all we have for the news this week. Um, next week, we'll be back with an interview of Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Josh, are we looking forward to this one? We, uh, I, I feel, I'm just fine with it. It's like, all right, let's go see this movie and get it over with. That's where I'm at. I like Eddie Redmayne. I like the character Nukes Commander. I love Catherine Waterson, but I just, there's no, I can't find hype for this movie. No. Um, it'll have to like sell me, because I, I, I enjoyed the last one, but it, I, that was like the end of the story. I didn't need to see any more. But they're determined to throw four or five of these at us again. So, you know, I'm just bracing myself. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I liked the first Fantastic Beast movie. I'll probably rewatch it here this week just to see it again because I haven't seen it since it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see if my opinion changes on it or anything. But I just I've yet to feel excited about this new movie based on the early reactions to it. That has not made me more excited. So it's... Uh, it's just uh okay i'm gonna go see this cool i'm going to a theater again yeah not really excited about it i guess um we'll see back this week with a big question tackling james cameron's avatar sequels mm-hmm. because a lot of people are doubting them 
and we're going to discuss why that is, if they're right to do so, um, why there's no hype for it, etc., etc. Um, so we'll discuss all of the Avatar sequels in depth in this episode. Um, but that's it for the actual main show this week. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, higher tunes and give us a five-star review with comments telling us why you enjoy listening to the show. And be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything covered by tweeting us out from this film. And you can follow me personally on Twitter at MovieCooper and Coops underscore Hoops. And you can get at me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to the Friends Film Podcast. Josh. Thank you for stopping by, everyone. And be sure to turn next week for our review of Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald.